What's up everyone and welcome to episode 94 of the Just an Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, hope everyone's well, had a great week and everything. Um, I haven't got a whole lot to report my minds at the moment, still kind of getting into the swing of things for, for 2019 at the moment. Uh, putting stuff in motion for, for upcoming weeks in regards to the show though, which is good um hoping to have a couple of gigs coming up in the next sort of few days to weeks which i'm hoping to take photos of and review uh, so if all goes to plan that stuff will be up on our brand new spanking website which thank you very much for everyone who has checked out and visited thus far um in regards to that some of you may have noticed we've been doing some record reviews um which have, a lot of people have kind of connected with which is pretty cool a uh, few of the bands have been really receptive as well which is nice uh, there'll actually be another review going up uh, either today or tomorrow depends on when I get a chance to, to write it but it will be linked into this episode um, if that's a bit of a giveaway what it's going to be but yeah thank you very much for everyone who's checked that out and for, for the constant support thus far um, if you can hear any noise in the background it's because I'm catching up on the NXT UK TakeOver show, which happened on uh, Saturday, just gone. Um, so far, it's been pretty good. We're on the Eddie Dennis, Dave Mastiff, no DQ match at the moment. Um, and I, to be honest, I haven't really been keeping up with the NXT UK stuff, which I feel bad because it was when they were on the indies, I was really into all these guys. But I just... Uh, life's kind of got in the way at the moment. So wrestling's kind of taken a back seat recently. But I thought, I've got to give this a go. Got to check it out. So yeah, been been thoroughly impressed thus far. Uh, anyway, enough of me babbling on. Should we get on to our guest? Uh, and this week I am joined by bassist and vocalist for Wrist Meat Razor, uh, Justin Fornoff. Uh, me and Justin discuss uh, the band's kind of their sounds and how they don't kind of want to be pigeonholed into anything. How they pull a range of influences from various different bands and genres to kind of make the sound that we hear that is Riz Meat Razor um, and obviously we talk about the new record which is coming out this Friday uh, it's called Misery Never Forgets and trust me I've listened to it and it is fucking killer uh, the track that's come out of it already uh, XOXO is just the tip of the iceberg like honestly I know we're, we're only into January but this could potentially be in my record of the year list come come the end of, of 2019 we'll wait and see but yeah please sit back enjoy my chat with justin and i'll see you on the other side uh joining me this week on the justin insight podcast is bassist and vocalist of uh wrist meat razor justin fornoff justin thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to have a little chat with me how how's everything in your world uh everything's great thank you for uh for having me no 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 worries obviously gearing up for for the release of your your new record so is it quite quite exciting times for you at the moment uh yeah no i think um as far as as uh music goes this is about as uh, as exciting as it gets when you have a record <laughs> yeah. coming out you know when you have a record coming out and you're about to do like a tour and you're about to do multiple things in support of it it's it's the it's the it's the peak of excitement like, <laughs> yeah. for sure. 
Well, as I mentioned before, I kind of hit the the record button. Obviously, the show is called Justin Insight. Uh, I always like to take my my guests back to to their roots, so to say. So, the question I always lead with is, what kind of got you into alternative music? Um, for me, alternative music was just my escape from reality. I didn't ultimately like have a guide. I think a lot of a lot of people who end up getting into this kind of music have someone that introduces them to yeah. it. Um, but for me, it was more um, a necessity that I found it on my own. Okay. And so, yeah, through through kind of just stumbling upon it, I found more and more stuff. And uh, it was when the internet was brand new, and um, I kind of would do research and go on message boards and stuff like that. So. It ultimately ended up opening up me to finding newer bands, and I was always the kind of person that liked to like to know about everything. Like, yeah, like to be very detailed and know about as much stuff as possible. So I would always like go out and just try to find more and more music, and I still do. So it, it like laid the foundation for doing even bands like this. Like yeah, just having so many influences. So what when you say kind of like out of necessity, was it just kind of a case of that? you didn't feel like there was a place for you to fit in so you needed to to kind of find an outlet what how do you do you mean by that yeah uh, essentially i just didn't really have any friends when i was okay younger. i i i uh, i was definitely an outcast and so a lot of where like my escape came from was finding music and and like finding stuff that like spoke to me mm. on a personal level in ways that people really couldn't do so in those kind of early stages when you were first discovering it what what kind of bands were you stumbling upon um well in the very very beginning i was mostly just trying to like find anything like there wasn't really even a genre right okay that i liked it was more just like the things that i thought spoke to me and so it really varied i think once it finally like settled on a sound and a, a thing that kind of was um was uh, speaking to how I felt, it was more so um, in the late '90s kind of era. So yeah. it was it was a lot of the radio bands at the time. It was it was Corn and Limp Bizkit, and then at that point in time, like all the friends that I had were also into stuff like that. But they were they were into getting into more stuff. So they would sometimes they would introduce me to new bands, and then I would kind of like do that and then i'd even go further than that and find new ones but at that time it was it was more or less about finding music than it was about like being a part of uh culture or anything like that yeah that makes sense so it like as you i think a lot of people sort of of that kind of generation myself included were kind of as you say the the sort of big name bands so was it as you say like corn and things like that were were they the ones that you were sort of gravitating towards Right. No, originally, yeah. And then at, at that point, after it, it kind of like, after it lost its luster a little bit, I got <laughs> yeah. more into, you know what I mean? Like after listening to those bands so many times, I, I got into like, I got into like a bunch of different stuff. I would get into like punk rock for a while and like, I would listen to a lot of like 80s punk bands. I, I love, I love Dead Kennedys. I still do. Yeah. I love Black Flag. And, uh, but then, you know what I mean? Like it would just kind of all cycle in and out. And then for a while I would really like death metal. So for a couple of years, I was just like really, really into like searching up new death metal bands. And so I was really into that. 
um, and then it would just kind of gravitate to different things. Mm. And, that, and that was a lot of that's where so much of my personal influences come from as a musician because then I would you know find bands that were more grindcore and then more bands that were a little bit more screamo and then you know bands that were a little bit more metalcore and then yeah. it just kind of grew from there. So in terms of because whereabouts did you grow up in America? I uh, so I'm actually a uh, uh, the son of an Air Force um, uh, airman in the Air Force, so I uh, always moved around right okay. constantly. Um, I we ended up settling in Las Vegas when I was in um, middle school, and so that's where I've been since then. Because the obviously being in the UK, obviously it's a tiny country in comparison. So I always when I speak to people from the states, so I, I always like find it interesting how their sort of experience growing up with music was in the different sort of areas. So in terms of you going out and then discovering live music, if we stick with Vegas as the place of you sort of settling was there much of a kind of a a sort of alternative scene in in vegas at all there there was i i ultimately when it really all kind of settled out and i kind of found what i liked and the kind of people that i wanted to be around um i was in high school and i just was very lucky because the uh the metalcore thing was starting to get more popular um it wasn't as popular as like MTV at that point. Yeah, yet, but yeah. It was like it was on the trajectory up to that point. So like bands like Poison the Well and and Hatebreed and stuff like that were getting really popular. So there were multiple kids at my high school that were into that kind of thing. And ultimately, that's what led me to the hardcore scene, which is where I I found my place in high school mm. for a while at least. So, in terms of like you discovering like live music what were the kind of shows you were going to in those early days um in the in the very beginning i i loved curl up and die which oh was nice so that's a band here. i haven't listened to in a long time yeah I, I loved curl up and die i've seen them many many times and so they were one of my very very first favorite bands of like of a of the hardcore metalcore kind of genre which yeah. is in vegas that's the shows that they would play they would play sh- hardcore shows essentially because right. um, there really wasn't a ton of like division between metalcore and hardcore and even even like pop punk and ska and stuff those shows were all the same shows like they were essentially the same scene in the early 2000s in las vegas so it was a, a very wide variety of stuff that i was always um i was always uh, exposed to mm. which was very cool um, but besides that, uh, that sometimes like it would be, it, like I said, it was, it wasn't as divided, I guess, as it probably is now across the, across the globe, because I would go see bands like champion play. I would see bands like sworn enemy play. And then I, you know, and then I'd see curl up and die and like curl up and die was my kind of more of my niche. It was the thing I liked a little bit more, but, yeah. um, I, you know, we watch them all and they were all fun. You know? <laughs> yeah. Got, got something from all of them well that's what I, we'll get on to sort of what you're doing now in, in a little bit but obviously the music that you're playing now is kind of a mix match of, of everything so do you feel like as you've grown as you've grown like and being exposed to the, all those kind of different things at a younger age that that has kind of pulled into what you're playing now yeah exactly that's a hundred percent of how all three of us kind of um, kind of take 
our own influences and the things that we like and we put them into this band and it, it becomes its own its own thing i ultimately we never wanted it to be something that was so um easily pinpointed or easily yeah. put in a corner where you could just genreize it like, like <laughs> yeah that's, that's something exactly you definitely can't do yeah like i i love when people when people say that we sound like other bands because it constantly changes what bands they say we sound like so that's like one of my favorite things is hearing what other people think we sound like (laughs) usually usually the bands they think we sound like are bands that we do like and we did take some sort of influence from but we never thought about it as like oh yeah that's that's what we want to sound like yeah it's never you know what i mean we never we never searched out as far as this band especially where we are now we don't we don't like want to sound like one thing yeah and in terms of you kind of discovering your own sort of musical sort of exploration, I guess, obviously playing bass and doing vocals in Wrist Meat Razor, but was right. bass always the, the thing that you were drawn to? Or, or what was the kind of first sort of musical instrument that you were, were drawn to and wanted to pick up? Well, when I was when I was very young, I wanted to play drums. I feel like that was, that's kind of like one of those building block instruments. But yeah. once I realized how difficult drums are, <laughs> yeah. how hard they are to move, I wanted to play bass. And so I've I've played bass since uh, I was 14. Okay. I've been in a bunch of different bands, so that's really been the focus for a long time now. And in terms of kind of that next sort of phase of kind of obviously picking up a bass, learning, but then sort of starting bands, like what were your kind of embryonic bands like because obviously the music that you guys are playing now is very technical and very different to as you say it's hard for people to pinpoint but what sort of bands were you playing in in those early days um i would play in legitimately for for a while i would just play in any band that anyone asked me to be in so like my very first bands were hardcore bands because those were what my friends did um and then it kind of grew to me being in um I was in a screamo band in like kind of the early 2000s when it was still not necessarily popular. I mean, it it, it had its own kind of thing, but it, it definitely wasn't to the point where it is now, especially mm. with the internet. Um, and then after that, I was in various like death metal, metalcore, deathcore bands. It's always just been, uh, it's always just been the process or whatever of getting to the point where you're in a band where just everything fits perfectly yeah and were any of those bands kind of did you sort of tour do records and things like that or were they just sort of projects that were around for a little bit and then faded away um i I, a lot of them were bands that toured um when i was when i was about 19 or so actually no i was like 17 um i joined a band with some friends of mine from high school called uh molotov solution which mm-hmm. ended up becoming a pretty big band that did deathcore tours. Okay. For, uh, they did deathcore tours in the States and in Europe, I believe, for um, for a while. I'm not sure if they're still doing stuff, but they, they, they were a pretty big band that I was in. Mm. Um, and then after that, I was in just various other bands. I'm in a hardcore band from Las Vegas called Suffer the Lost that did some touring. Um just stuff like that yeah like none, it, none of them were bands that that have done the extent that risk me razor does but they were bands that kind of like led me to this point yeah and in terms of kind of the the sort of vocal side of things as well was 
Was that something you'd done previously, or is that kind of a new thing that you've been exploring with Rhythmic Razor? So vocals, actually, for me, was a completely different you know, thing. I, I was a vocalist when I was very young. That's like after the drums thing didn't seem to make any more sense. I wanted to be the vocalist because oh, okay. that seemed to be... That seemed to be the most flashy position you <laughs> yeah, could be, yeah. you know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, there's a premium, or there's a premium on actual musicians and people that play instruments. Not saying that being a vocalist isn't a being a musician. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 don't worry. Vocalist, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, being a vocalist is something that virtually anyone can pick up. So, <laughs> yeah. like, there's a there's a premium on playing an instrument, and so that's what I very very quickly realize it's like yeah you know bands don't usually go looking for vocalists they just find someone that they like and they have them do vocals like you stand such a better chance at playing music if you can play something yeah or if you can write a song or if you can even just write a riff you know any of those things are give you such a better chance so i uh for uh survival reasons i picked up the bass <laughs> so so did, have you been in bands where you were just a pure vocalist or has it always been bass that you've been in actual bands no i've i've only i've only been the just a pure bassist for a very long time yeah now. I, I like after after just a short foray of you know being the vocalist in bands that weren't really bands they were just kind of like garage projects with friends i uh just went straight to being the bass player and kind of just did that um but when it came time to do this project and when we decided to put it together, it just made so much more sense to do both. And so, um, I kind of started practicing vocals again and wanted to do that and ended up really liking the way it sounded. And so, um, through the EPs I did, I did a lot of the, I did some of the vocals on the EPs and then I did a lot more vocals on this new record. Mm. So, and, before obviously we get on to talking about how you came to to be part of Risk Meat Razor, one thing that I I read and I just wanted to run past you just because I'm always interested in this sort of thing. Is it correct right. that you're, you're you're straight edge? Yes. So that is, that is correct. Uh, it's something that I, I I myself am straight edge, so I always like to kind of just find out how people kind of discovered it because for for me my journey was kind of like finding bands like Have Heart. Bane, Champion and things like that and sort of the kind of newer wave of the culture rather than the whole sort of minor threat kind of thing so what was kind of your journey and what was sort of drew you to to the whole sort of straight edge culture well I I began um, when I first got into hardcore um, the scene especially in Las Vegas um, was very much geared towards being straight edge All all of my all of the friends that I made and all the people that I met were all straight edge so there wasn't i didn't necessarily have a huge like tipping point where there was there was just a moment where i realized that that's what i needed to be mm. yeah for a while it, it was i did it because that's what everyone else did and so it right. made the most sense but then as i got older it like the the real true reasoning of why you would do something like that made a lot more sense to me like just being able to see um how everyone else interacted and then as also just learning about different different issues that members of my family have had with alcoholism really just solidified the need to not you Mm. know what i mean to not do it so 
and in sort of like a, a kind of a juxtaposition, obviously, the, I want to talk about the aesthetics of the bands as well in a moment. But obviously, if somebody on face value looked at what Rismi's Raider is and then was to be told that yourself and because there's another member of the band Straight Edge as well. Or, or, was it yeah, just, yeah. Uh, Brian's, Brian's also Straight Edge and uh, Jonah doesn't drink or smoke really. So yeah. he's... He's he's kind of he, I guess he's not technically straight edge, but none of us do anything that would, yeah, but that would be considered that. So, but what my point is is like on the traditional sense of things, people maybe not think you were straight edge members or sort of had that kind of ethos. So, right. have you ever had people that are kind of surprised by that? Because I guess, I guess like aesthetically, you kind of lean in the grindcore kind of realm, which is obviously right has a big, a big drinking culture so have, right. have pe- are people quite shocked to find that out um i actually don't know i i think i think people have all kinds of negative thoughts about us already that they don't even <laughs> think about what we do i think i think they they just think the worst of us from from the start so <laughs> i think the straight edge thing probably is like the last thing on their mind. no that's fair enough <laughs> well we'll we'll dig into the bands a bit more obviously the, the sort of people will know that kind of the band originally formed as kind of a, a bedroom project for, for Jonah. So right. where did you come in? Where, where was your sort of entry point for the band? So uh, Jonah wrote um, the demo, which is up on our band camp um, and released it almost subvert, sub, subvertly. Like he didn't release it super publicly where he was like this is my project yeah this is what i do and all that like that none of that really happened he released it and was really quiet about it and just let people take from it what they wanted to um but i you know i knew that he was the one who did it just from knowing friends of his and knowing him too because i've known him for a long time Mm. um and i uh i was in a different band when it first released and that didn't work out so uh, what i i ended up hitting him up and just asking him about the project and what he wanted to do with it and saying that if he wanted to take it in the direction where we turned it into a real band and move forth with it in, you know, kind of a little bit more of a serious manner that I would be down. And, and both of us were in between our like actual serious projects. We both had just gotten out of projects that were touring bands. So it made sense. I think, I mean, and I can't really speak for, Jonah's thoughts on it but I think he um, appreciated kind of what I had done and I always appreciated what he had done so Mm. it just seemed to be like a a natural match and then uh, so yeah the show the band never played any shows without me and it never really it never really existed as a band before um, him and I started writing for the EPs and then we kind of slowly started creating it as a band doing yeah. social media stuff and then being very being secretive which has always been our kind of aesthetic being secretive about it but still leaking information yeah slowly and naturally and you've obviously you mentioned you'd, you'd known him for for a couple of years before this so so how did you initially meet in the first place um well jonah is also a um a talented a graphic artist okay he does he does a lot of graphic art for bands and he did graphic art for some of my old bands and so i would always talk to him about that and, um 
we kind of had that friendship where it was a little bit more geared towards the business aspect of it right okay this band but we were we were friends and uh so it 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 was it was easy to to talk to him about this Mm. and when you kind of joined the band obviously sort of as you say kind of like talking sort of like through ideas and things and as you say it's an ever-evolving kind of beast sort of thing but when the cogs started turning at first what was the kind of idea of of the band or was there was there not one and you were just sort of going with the flow um well essentially the band did start as a uh, screamo project right jonah's original influences were bands like neil perry and code and armada and uh city of caterpillar and stuff like that right. so um and so that's where the original the original kind of like direction was for the band which i liked which i enjoyed a great deal and um i feel like when we started to really open it up and just add kind of the different influences that we had because he's not he's not only a screamo guy either yeah he has a bunch of different influences as well so once we started to open it up and try different stuff it became um it became a lot easier to be to be this varied project and not just one genre so that's why i guess that's where you could see kind of the departure from the demo to our two eps to this record and obviously with the the two eps i think like that was obviously when people kind of started to to sort of see the name hear the music a bit more and was right. uh, as you say we've got either like a bit of a over here in the UK, we'd say a bit of a Marmite band. So you either loved it or hated it sort of thing. Right, right. So when you guys kind of did that and put it out, like, I guess because the vibe I've kind of always got from listening to you and, and now talking to you, that it's kind of, this is your project. You're doing it because you love it. Whether people love it, like it or not, it's give or take sort of thing. So was it a case of putting out those EPs and just sort of, seeing how the land lied or did you kind of have any expectations of where things were going to go well when we were so the writing process for the eps happened instantly because jonah already had a bunch of ideas that he was that he was utilizing for him. right okay so we would start we started we started pre-proing and demoing those uh as soon as i like as him and i started talking i think there were already a couple of them already done and then he just send them to me and we'd talk about them and it kind of went back and forth like that so the the uh expectations for it were not even not even there like we, we were just legitimately doing it just to see if anyone really was gonna gonna keep up and, and care because especially with how with how um finicky music is now with the internet and everything every day there's a new band and there's a new record and there's someone that's pushing something else and you know everyone just kind of gravitates towards the newest thing so when you put out the newest thing they go there and then yeah when, you know then the next newest thing then they'll go to the next one and then that that last thing becomes old news um so we weren't we the, while the demo did well we did had no real expectations for where the eps were going to be that mm. they they could have been anything but at the time it just felt right we had like we didn't have anything 
we didn't expect anything from it and uh, were very pleasantly surprised by the reactions that we got. Mm. And because obviously the the EPs kind of sit almost side by side. So was that kind of a, a conscious decision or again, was that just the the way that things kind of fell into place? Well, the uh, so the EPs were essentially written as one full record. Okay. We had, we had all eight tracks written all at once and um it was more or less my idea that the attention span of of the average music listener in 2017 at the time felt like it was much shorter than it's ever been (laughs) yeah yeah to like go from putting out a three song demo to putting an eight song full length felt like such a jump that the songs at the end of the record would never get listened to like right we just never even knew they existed um and i thought there were enough good songs or enough good tracks on the record that we needed to give multiple of them the opportunity to be the first track if that makes sense so um i thought for also to just stretch the recording as long as possible i thought for for those reasons we should split it up and so it ultimately worked out much better that way and for um for the hard copy releases it worked out far far better that way so it was just kind of a a happy uh mistake of sorts (laughs) it wasn't wasn't originally supposed to be like that and obviously in terms of kind of i know you guys obviously tour and things like that but obviously you all live in in very different areas of of the states so in terms of kind of writing and things obviously i know because of the internet now things are a lot easier but but is it a case of like if you've got an idea you'd send it to to jonah and brian or like how how does that kind of process sort of work well typically the way that this last record has worked um it's been um a situation where jonah would send us pre-pros and then we would we would give our critique on it right at okay. various points in the pre-pro process or at least one point i um i flew out to jonah and we spent a weekend writing um and then that would get fine-tuned and like everything would go through these multiple multiple stages where they would just grow and evolve and change and we take stuff out and add stuff and then it would just constantly move around um, but for the EPs, a lot of that was Jonah pre-proing songs, sending them to me, and then I would like have very small input on it where I'd say I like this or I don't like this, and they would they didn't really change a ton from how they originally were as a pre-pro to how they ended up going on the record. Mm. Um, and that was the one thing that I think we really wanted to step up with this next, with this newest record that comes out next week. We wanted it to be a very evolving kind of thing and just kind of move with however we felt organically their tracks moved. Yeah. So. And as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to obviously talk about the aesthetic of, of the band, obviously, because this is now going to be my attempt at sort of putting what I think you guys sound like but right. but when I sort of hear your music 
it's kind of as you say the, the screamo elements are there but there's also kind of very sort of math core kind of elements to it right. whereas aesthetically as I've mentioned earlier it's kind of a bit more along the grindcore sort of side of things so was when you were kind of looking at aesthetics because obviously the the band's logo name is is kind of the one thing that sort of screams sort of more on that grindcore leaning side but the music isn't necessarily there so was it something that you wanted to kind of do to throw off the scent or was it just how how did you kind of come to the decision with the aesthetics of the band i think uh the the point of the band which i which in my opinion um crosses all genres and uh even aesthetics really like the idea was to create a band that was the externalization of um, what we felt were incredibly painful moments that we thought would be relatable to other people mm. because they were so relatable to us. Um, so being able to create art that I feel exemplifies that in a way that people that like us can get the same amount of cathartic release out of seeing what we do and seeing the art we create. Um, that was the number one goal. Yeah. There really wasn't, there really wasn't a genre attached to the aesthetic and there still isn't, uh, nothing that we do aesthetically is based on a genre per se. There are certain things for me personally that I've always grown up thinking wasn't a good look and I th- thinking things kind of fit and work in one way and I feel like even when you listen to the record it, it goes in so many different different directions there's just no possible way that you could even give it one aesthetic for <laughs> yeah. the, you know the record and where the music is that musically and aesthetically it doesn't even fit into one thing but I think ultimately it was all about crossing these boundaries of pain and um, pushing ourselves to this to this limit mm. that um, was going to allow us to create what we felt uh, inside, especially over this past year of doing this band and just the trials and tribulations of life and how we felt other people could relate to us mm. in whatever way that they could. I mean, we, I, I, me personally, I totally understand how unrelatable we probably are and how unrelatable we come off to a vast majority of everyone but there will always be people that take a lot from what we do and that's kind of what we do it for well that's kind of what i was gonna sort of ask because you mentioned sort of like the whole kind of breaking down sort of barrier pains uh barriers of pain sorry and, and kind of it being sort of cathartic for for yourselves to to sort of make this music and i think if people were to accidentally stumble across your band, whack on one track, and sort of that be done, that they maybe sort of not really kind of get the full picture. But obviously, there's a lot of vulnerability in what you guys do, and a lot of sort of openness to to the nature of what you're talking about. So, is that something that you wanted to kind of hammer home with with this new record in particular? But just the that this overarching world of kind of metal alternative music whatever you want to call it 
can be vulnerable. It doesn't have to be so kind of metaphorical all the time. Right. And and to very extent, I think the record's metaphorical as well, though, I mean, I try to be a little bit more thinly veiled in my metaphors. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like the the metaphors are easy to see through, though I I, I do like the the poetry aspect of that. I think the real the real goal of a lot of the lyrical content and the aesthetic, um, in context to the metal hardcore whatever scenes that we end up playing shows in, is that we're not trying to we're not trying to portray something that only um, that only speaks to those who like want to mosh per se, or want to um, want to get out like all this like macho aggression. Like we're not a band that's really about being a tough band or anything like that. We're we're about being very real and speaking to very real um, inner machinations mm. of of humanity. And uh, I don't think anyone. I think there are very few bands that really do that. I think bands focus so much on, on the on the small details of how they are seen to everyone else, and not necessarily on the small details of of how of the how their music was created or the roots of, of who they are as human beings. And I think ultimately that's it's much more important mm. to us to to put out a record that's authentic and and uh, and real than mm. it is to put out a record that's you know that's tough and like hits all these trends or whatever you know what I mean? yeah it's, it's essentially it's essentially our our externalization of, of reality mm. and something that again that you guys have kind of become known for i guess to an extent but obviously the name says it always is that you are kind of very nail on the head with what you're talking about obviously as you say there are metaphors there but it's kind of under a thin veil and obviously this new record is titled misery never forgets so i'd be remiss if i didn't ask like what's the kind of sense behind that title on this record well i uh i came up with that title um shortly after our second ep came back um my family's been fairly um separated for a while and right. I was driving I was driving home I was driving back to Las Vegas on Christmas Day and uh, it just felt so appropriate that I felt I wrote it down um, on my phone while just listening to music and it, it just it stuck in such a way that I felt like it needed to be something I wasn't sure if it would be the album title or a song title or what it would be but I felt like it was the most appropriate thing for the pro- the writing process of this record, and then as the year progressed, it just made so much sense that this is what the record was. Mm. So that's where we go with it. And in terms of kind of, you mentioned sort of like song titles and things like that. There, obviously, something that I kind of relate to is that there's very sort of clever wordplay in what your song titles are, and it kind of reminds me of sort of early kind of daughters sort of style of right. how, how they kind of came across with things so right. was that something that you were drawing influence from like because i guess like 
with without being one of those people that tries to guess what band you're you're trying to be sort of thing like right. there is for many people there is a similar similarities to the early daughter stuff to what you guys are doing so right. is that something that you pulled from at all uh i always like the, the cleverness of bands like that in a in a obscure and not so obvious way yeah um the album titles on this record um I believe almost a hundred percent are references to different things. Like we, they're not that they're not as random as they probably seem when you're looking at them. They're all, they're all much deeper, um, and referential as a band. Nothing that we do is, is random. Even if it looks very random, (laughs) even if a lot of things we're doing are random, like I put so much thought into the, uh, the aesthetic of it it's all for a purpose everything has its own purpose and, and jonah too like everything has its own its own place and i guess it's for the listener and for the fan if they want to dig deeper and find out what it means and why it's there yeah but it's all there for a reason and it's it's there to be found too mm. and you mentioned earlier on this record obviously you're doing a bit more sort of vocal duties alongside with with jonah so Right. Something that I I always find interesting when there's more than one vocalist is kind of how duties are kind of split. So 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 so, is it a case of if you're if you've written lyrics for one song, then that's kind of your song, and you decide how it's split, or is it kind of a democracy of how things work, or is it just a case of when you're in the studio, what works best? Uh, so all three of us do vocals. Um, the way a lot of the um, patterns are written and how we choose who does what is um, what it kind of base it kind of changes from song to song the songs that I write I have a very specific idea in mind before it even starts and so I'll I assign everyone's roles in my head okay. way before it actually happens um, and that includes like clean song parts because I think every one of my songs has a clean song part that, that I wrote the lyrics to right um and uh, that kind of thing. Um, for Jonah, however, because a couple of the songs on the record were entirely written by him lyrically, and the patterns were essentially written by him. For Jonah, it's a lot more stream of conscious. So okay. we go in the studio, and he starts doing stuff, and he has some ideas, but ultimately like they change from the time that we go there to the time that it finishes. So usually by the end of a track pretty different from how he originally ex- like he originally pictured it there are certain things that are certain like pinpoints and flashpoints in the song that'll always be you know the thing that he thought of um, but the full product is just different mm. and so and I, I think that works so much better as a band that we have so many different processes and so many different uh so many different methods to creating a record it just makes it so much more interesting to listen mm. to i think and because you mentioned there obviously all the sort of different methods you've mentioned earlier sort of pulling from different influences and things and i know, i know the record's not even kind of officially out yet but does right does having that kind of flexibility give you the opportunity to sort of say so Obviously, I know you'll be out promoting this record, playing songs off this record, but almost that you can seamlessly move on to the next thing because you have all these different pools to to 
sort of be inspired from. Yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, nothing on this record or nothing that we do in general happens for no reason. If mm. we're introducing, if we're introducing different aspects to the music, it's because that's a area of the music we want to go in like it's a it's a direction that we're gonna continue exploring and and in every aspect not even just on the actual record and or in the aesthetic like in the direction of the band we don't we don't do things for no reason and so for the things that the different the different uh chances that we take on the record that everyone will hear when it comes out on the 18th um those aren't those aren't just our random like thoughts. Those are those are things that'll continue to be a recurring theme throughout the entire future of the band. Mm. And because of the sort of age we we live in now, as you mentioned earlier, sort of people's attention spans are, are quite short. There's sort of so many right. different like new bands coming out and things like that. But I think at the moment there's kind of this wave of of bands yourselves included that are kind of almost breaking the norm in my opinion anyway so like yourselves uh see space cowboy uh hers collective and bands like that that are kind of undescribable <laughs> to an extent right do you feel that that's the way that music is now going that because that bands like yourselves don't want to be pigeonholed they want to just create for the sake of creating that we're going to see more bands doing things like this i uh i sincerely hope so i I think that we kind of create the music that we want to hear to listen to to hear and um if if we're maybe at the forefront of a a new thing that happens in popular music and bands like see space cowboy who are good friends of ours are able to, I mean, for lack of a better term, pioneer something that's new and, and different and takes heavy music and metal in a different direction, then I'll be thrilled, to say the least, that we were able to, to create something that's interesting and, mm. that, and that progresses heavy music, which is, at times, some of the most stale music that you can really listen <laughs> yeah. to. It just never changes, and I always hated that, so... And just in terms of the the rest of the year, I know obviously we're we're only in January, as you say, the record's not even right. out yet technically. But what's your sort of foresight for for the rest of 2019 for Risk Meat Razor? Uh, for 2019, we're just going to continue to tour nonstop every month. Anything that we can get our hands on to promote the record and to promote ourselves, we're just going to keep doing and, and going, and hopefully it leads us to the right places. Um, Any chances you come to the UK? Uh, I would love that. <laughs> I, I think we, 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 would, we would love to play overseas. I think that's definitely one of the goals. Uh, hopefully that's something we can make happen soon. I'm not sure if, if, if this is the year that we can make that happen, but if it is, then I'll, we'll be more than happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Justin, how I like to, to end things is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So okay. what is your favourite Wrist Meat Razor song that you like to play live and why? Razor song to play live. Um, well, we haven't been playing too many of the new songs live yet. Um, so I will say right now, currently, my favorite song to play live is um, 
the first single that we released off of Misery's Never Forgets called XOXO. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy playing that one live. It's a super uh, emotionally taxing song for me. So I, I uh, always like being able to get out a lot of frustration on that one. And I always do. So perfect. That's my favorite. Brilliant. <laughs> Justin, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, so best much. of luck with everything with the record. And maybe hopefully see you here in the UK. Obviously, definitely. We'd love that. <laughs> Perfect. Cheers. Take care. Yeah, you too. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Justin for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned, the band's album, Misery Never Forgets, is out this Friday. And honestly, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to hear it ahead of this release and of spun it easily 10 20 times it's fucking brilliant um so yeah go check that out when it comes out on friday um if you want to keep up to date with everything wrist meat razor in general you can do so by following their uh, various social media platforms where there will be links in the description of this episode as always um also just before i go i did say last week that we'd be launching a patreon episode um but Things got in the way, unfortunately had a bit of a busy week work-wise, so just never got round to it. But honestly, there is going to be a Patreon episode out this week. Um, it will include a review of uh, Misery Never Forgets uh, and various other records which I will be speaking about. Um, but yeah, so please keep an eye out for that. And if you are so inclined, subscribe to be a Patreon. Every little helps to, to keep this show running. But yeah, for now, thanks again for joining me on the Justin Insight podcast and I'll see you soon.